to the Last Gen Podcast brought to you by Miracle Word Ministries. These episodes are specifically created with students in mind. More than ever before, we must know why we believe what we believe, build strong faith, and stay on fire for God. We know that Jesus is coming soon, and we're going to live like this is the last generation. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Last Gen Podcast. My name is... Welcome to the Last Gen Podcast. My name is Alex Iaquinto. I'm your host today. This one is going to be a good one. It's different today. We're not doing the classic message or teaching or whatever. I just spit on the mic. We are doing something different. We're doing a Q&A. If you've got A's, I've got Q's. I will A your Q's. But it's gonna, it's gonna be a good one. I had you guys... Send in questions. If you don't follow The Last Gen on Instagram, I think you need to because that is where I'm getting my questions today. Uh, I asked, what questions do you have about... How did I phrase it? Pretty broad. Any questions about the Bible, faith, or life? And uh, I said, get them in quick because I'm answering them and people got them in quick. And these are some good questions. I'm actually excited to answer a lot of these. And then some of them, not so excited. No, I'm just kidding. They're all good. And it's going to be a good one. So we have a huge range. There's no, like, I'm not zeroing in on anything, but we're going to cover these questions. If you asked a ridiculous, stupid question, I will not answer it because I won't give you the satisfaction. But I want you to stick around for the whole thing. Um, because it's going to be helpful for you. One of the reasons I like Q and A's is because you sometimes like you have weird questions that don't really go along with a teaching. So like I was, I'm always excited when a minister that I follow is doing a Q and A on YouTube or on Facebook or whatever, like a live Q and A, because, you know, I've got, you know, if you don't have questions about the Bible, the chances you're not very intelligent. You know what I'm saying? Like intelligent people have questions. It's not weird. It's not bad that you have questions. It means you're a thinker. And if you don't think, you probably don't have questions. And if you probably don't have questions, you don't think. So, you know, don't don't be like, oh, I feel like I'm doubting. No, if you have a question, it's perfect. You know, the Apostle Peter said, be ready to give an offense to those who have a question about the hope that lies within you. So that's what we're commanded to do as Christians. And so I gave you guys literally a full range of anything. You can ask anything and y'all answered. So I'm just going to be going down the list on these. I'm not doing it in order of importance or by order of the people that I like the most. Um, although you wouldn't know anyways. So <laughs> share this. Share this, share this. If you don't follow The Last Gen on Instagram, it's at the.last.gen. We do a lot of content on there. We, we're doing more lives and more. We already did a giveaway. We give, gave away $250. $250 to uh, Amazon. And that was exclusively on The Last Gen Instagram. So you want to get in on that. You know what I'm saying? So let's get in. I currently, I, this is going to be a stretch. I literally have to stretch across this car to grab a bottle of water 
That was just my necklace rubbing up against the mic. You might be wondering, why, Alex, are you in a car? And to that, I will say, you wouldn't know you've never had beagles before and tried to (laughs) record a podcast. It is not fun. Literally, it's... And by the way, I do also have six people in my family, so it's not like the easiest to get a nice, clean, dead sound. So I, I took it out into my car. I'm surrounded by pillows. Very weird situation, and if anyone walks by, they will be thoroughly confused. All right, let's get into this. The first question is a good one. I'm excited about this one. We're ranging all the way from relationships, dating, faith, healing, discipleship. So it's good. Let's start with the first one. This person asks, do I ever have a right to not forgive someone, even if they really, really, really hurt me? Do I ever have a right to not forgive someone, even if they really, really, really hurt me? Here is my simple answer to that. No. But you say, you don't know, Alex, you don't know what they did. You don't know what they said behind my back. Does not matter. I'm going to give you a scripture that most people don't really know that's in the Bible. But once you know that it's in the Bible, it's kind of a wake-up call. So this is a tough scripture for people to wrap their mind around, but it's important. And I'm going to show you, I I want to get into it just a little bit. I'm not going to do it in depth teaching on forgiveness, which, you know, we will in the future, but this is just a snapshot. Is it ever okay to not forgive someone, even if they really, really hurt me? This is what the Bible says in in Matthew 6, verse 14. This is Jesus speaking. For if you forgive others their trespasses or sins, your heavenly father will forgive you also. Next verse. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is what the New Living says. If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now that is heavy. I had a Bible college professor. And I won't name the Bible college. But I had a Bible college professor when we were deep into a lecture and he was, he got off on this tangent about forgiveness. Man, I could, never mind. (laughs) He got on off on this tangent about forgiveness and he said this thing that like at the time I hadn't really studied deep on forgiveness, but like I knew something was wrong. Like when he said this, it was like alarming. It like grated at my spirit. He said, you know, as Christians, if you're ready to forgive, that's good. And that's awesome. But if you're not, that's okay too. You know, sometimes we're just not ready to forgive and, and that's okay. Just work through it. And I immediately jumped in my spirit and I thought, uh, hold up one second. How many times in scripture does God warn against unforgiveness? You know, the number one reason we forgive, and it's not, it's not to have good feelings towards each other. Like if someone wrongs me, I'm not forgiving them so we can be on good terms, mainly. 
you know, I want to forgive them, number one, so I don't go to hell. (laughs) That's deep. So I don't go to hell because unforgiveness is a sin. And if you take it to the grave, you can't, the Bible says right there, if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Clear as day. So this Bible college professor said that, you know, if you're ready to forgive, that's good. But if you're not, that's cool too. It's okay. And I said, <laughs> I, I, I said, hold up. <laughs> I raised my head. And I said, uh, professor. And I, and I took him to this scripture. I said, now, who am I going to listen to? You, who on the one hand said it's okay if we don't forgive people, or Jesus, on the other hand, who said if we don't, God will not forgive us of one sin. And he goes, oh, well, you know, you, you just got to, you, you know. Well, I, and then he started going into his personal story about how, you know, he was wronged. And it's like, okay, dude, you're not talking about the Bible anymore. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> it, you, you've got to, and people don't understand how important this is. And I think a lot of a lot of Pentecostals don't understand how important this is. I want to take you to another verse of scripture and then, and then we'll quit on this question and go to the next one. Everyone knows this. We've quoted this on the on the podcast. Go to Mark 11, 23 through 25. Mark 11, 23 through 25. I'm gonna crack my neck here. So if you hear it, I'm sorry. Okay. Mark 11, 23 through 25. We love to quote this as faith people. And we should quote this as faith people. But I want to show you something here that's super important. Truly I tell you. not I'm going to use the ESV. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and be thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Next verse. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And now a lot of people love to stop right there and start shouting, jumping, hollering, praise break. And that's powerful that whatever we can ask in prayer, if we ask it, believing we've received it, it will be ours. But if we stop right there, people will get stuck in a rut and not understand why their faith is not working. Because next verse, Mark eleven twenty five. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. Why? So that your Father in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Unforgiveness will stop your faith from working. And I'm not talking about someone... A lot of times it's not that someone did something so like objectively wrong to you. A lot of times you can have unforgiveness towards someone who's not done one thing towards you. Someone who rubbed you the wrong way, you can be harboring unforgiveness or bitterness towards them. And that right there will stop your faith from working. And you say, why, Alex? You know, I, I, I was like, I, I never understood that, you know, when I was younger. Why, why Jesus put that much of an importance on forgiveness? It's like, I always thought like, really, that's that important? And, you, and it's because the scripture Faith works by love. Faith works by love. I've heard this analogy. If faith is a remote control to a TV, 
you can use a remote control to move things, manipulate things, change things. It does a lot of things. But if you don't have the batteries in the remote, it's completely useless. And love is the batteries of the remote. Love is the batteries or the power cell of faith. Faith works by love. And if you don't have love, you can pray all you want. You can bind things all you want. You can curse things all you want. You can speak in tongues all you want. You can prophesy all you want. But if you don't have love, Paul said, if I speak in tongues of men and angels, if I prophesy, he said, if I have faith as to move a mountain, but I don't have love, I have nothing. Because he understood. It doesn't matter. You know, you can get so caught up in, in being such like a, you know, I'm a faith man. I'm you know, and then, and then you get into this vein where like you become like unloving, you know, you're so full, you're so quote unquote full of faith that you become a jerk. That's not how it works. Faith works by love. So to answer that question, do I ever have a right not to forgive someone, even if they really, really, really hurt me? No. Number one, Why? Because it's a sin. Unforgiveness is a sin. It'll send you to hell. Two, your faith will not work. And three, you forgive because Jesus, because God forgave you. So if we're representing God on this earth, the Bible says we have to love like God loves. And God, the Bible says, when he forgives, he casts our sin into the see a forgetfulness to be remembered no more. So if we're to love like God loves, then we have to do the same thing to people. They wrong me. I don't care. I'm going to forget about it. I'm going to forgive them in my heart. Doesn't mean I have to hang around with jerks. Doesn't mean I have to hang around with, <laughs> with numbskulls. <laughs> but, you know, and I'm not going to hang around with people that I know are going to test my limits. But if someone does, and they will, people are not, you know, People are going to rub you the wrong way. It's up to you to, you know, say, no, I'm not going to let this bitterness be harbored in my heart. I forgive them. All right, next question. This is a good one. With all different translations, Bible translations, how can I know what I can actually believe for? With all different Bible translations, how can I know what I actually can believe for? So, I'm, I'm thinking this question's asking, because there are so many different Bible translations, how do I know that, you know, how do I pick a right one or how do I know that the one I'm using is right? And um, this is a good question. A lot of people have this question. I've had this question asked of me a lot. You know, what Bible translation is the best? Which one should I use? Which one you know, I've heard there are bad ones. You know, I've heard people who, there are people who even say that you can't use any translation except the King James translation. So with all that, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of Bible translations. Which one do I use? Which one do I know I can believe? Well, first of all, the reason we have so many different Bible translations is because there's multiple ways to say one thing. There's multiple ways to say one thing. Like, like let's take Mark 11, 20, 22, I mean 23 through 24. 
Let's just read it in two different translations and see the difference. All right, we'll take... We'll take the New Living Translation. This is a pretty stark contrast, but I'm just making a point. We'll take the New Living Translation, and we'll take the King James Bible. This is the King James. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have what, whatsoever he saith. The New Living Translation says, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and be thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and not doubt in your heart. Well, what's a what's a difference here? In the King James, it says, verily I say unto you. In the New Living, it says, I tell you the truth. Now, those two things mean the same thing. The difference is the King James was translated in 1611 and also chooses different English words than the New Living. So there are a ton of good translations, a ton of good translations. There are a few bad ones and a ton of good ones. I've mentioned this in a um, prior episode, but I'll give you off the top of my head some good ones that I recommend, that I know my uncle will recommend, and he has recommended them. Great scholars recommend these because they're, they're true to the original but also they're easy to understand. So I'll rank them from hardest to read, like highest reading level, to lowest reading level. And I'll give you some of the ones that I use. Uh, So the hardest one that I would recommend would be the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. The New American Standard Bible. I'd recommend that one. That one's probably the highest reading level it takes. um, But it's still a good translation and it's good for study. Like if you're studying topics that are deep and you want to get into the real words, obviously, you know, you can get into Greek and you can get into Hebrew and stuff. But if you're just trying to understand what, what did God say here? You know, what did God truly say here? The NASB is a great one moving a little bit further down the line to easier to read a little bit, is the ESV, the English Standard Version. I use this for my personal study time, my personal devotions, because, you know, and so does my uncle. So does, I know Evangelist Preston uses the ESV. A lot of people use the ESV. Uh, You know, it's, it's relatively new. 2016, it's a good, it's a good translation, good translation. I would recommend the ESV. Moving down a little bit, um, easier to read than that, is the NIV, the New International Version. I think that's the highest selling version in the world right now, that rivaling with King James. The NIV is a great translation. Moving down even easier to that, and this one is at like a fifth grade reading level, is the New Living Translation. Now listen, I know people bash the New Living Translation. I like it. You know... There are some places where it's like, okay, where'd you get that? You know, and that's why it's so good that we have multiple. It's like, if you don't understand one, compare them. <laughs> you don't have to keep bashing one translation. Just compare them. If you, if you think it's suspicious the way they got this one thing, just look at another one and look at another one. Then go to the original Greek or the original Hebrew. The NLT is a great translation. Number one, it's very easy to read. It really helps you in the Old Testament. 
when it gets to like Leviticus and and Numbers and Deuteronomy. Um, and and it really helps a lot of people read. And it's it was put together by spirit filled, like solid scholars who are spirit filled believers. So there are four right there: NASB, ESV, NIV, NLT. So just don't. And I've warned, I've said this before. Don't get into what they'd call paraphrases, meaning like the Passion Translation and the Message and the I, even the Living Bible. I wouldn't even get into that. There's so many good translations. Why would you pick the one that's not the Bible? Dumb. Moving on. Oh, here we go. Here we go. This is a good one. We're getting on to relationships. Talking about dating. Old Alex is going to give you some dating advice. Here's the question. What is the right way to pick a boyfriend? This is, you know, this is weird because a guy asked this question. And I'll read you. I'll read you this. What is the right way to pick a boyfriend in high school that doesn't go to church? Number one. I didn't know this guy that asked this question swing that way, but um, we'll just go with it. Pretend it was a girl that asked it. What is the right way to pick a boyfriend in high school, girlfriend or boyfriend, in high school that doesn't go to church? Listen, guys, I've been thinking about this a lot. High school dating, high school relationships, you know, young, young relationships, and uh, soon my uncle and I are going to do a whole thing on dating, a whole thing on high school relationships. This question is problematic. Right off the bat, it's problematic because what is the right way to pick a boyfriend in high school that doesn't go to church? Stop right there. Number one, don't ever date someone who does not go to church. Don't ever date someone who does not go to church ever in your life, ever. Doesn't matter how good they look in flare pants. Doesn't matter how, you know, doesn't matter how funny they are. Never date someone who does not go to church. Well, they're a Christian. They Never date someone who does not go to church. Well, in their heart, they just believe. Never Date someone who does not go to church. Have I made it clear enough? Should I make it clearer? Why are you being so harsh, Alex? Because it matters. Number one, you should never unequally yoke yourself with an unbeliever. Paul said that. Don't unequally yoke yourself with an unbeliever. And that is hooking yourself up or linking yourself to someone who does not serve God. Paul warned against that because think about it this way. If I'm pulling in one direction, if I'm pulling towards God and I'm pulling towards the things of God and my purpose in God and I'm linked up with someone who is not and is pulling the opposite direction, uh, my life is not going to go forwards. It's going to go backwards. A lot of people say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm dating them, but I'm sharing Jesus with them and they're going to get saved. My aunt puts it like this. 
don't missionary date. My uncle says, you can't French kiss someone into the kingdom of God. You can't French kiss someone into the kingdom of God. It's ne- it never goes that way. It almost never goes like, well, you know, he wasn't saved or she wasn't saved, but then we started dating and I, and then we, you know, then, then they accepted Jesus and, and now we're going good. It almost never goes like that. It almost always goes, the guy was not saved. The girl was saved. They started dating. The girl backslid, stopped going to church, falling into sin. And that boyfriend just pulled her out of the kingdom of God. So don't unequally yoke yourself with an unbeliever. And you could say this. Well, I didn't say, the, the question was not an unbeliever. The question was someone who doesn't go to church. And what I'd say to that is if they're not going to church, why are they not going to church? Why is it that this so-called Christian is not following the commands of God? To gather all the more. You got to ask yourself these questions. Because dating, listen, dating isn't something that you should flippantly do. And I'm almost to the point, and this is going to sound harsh, but I'm almost to the point where I'm just going to say, and listen, the reason I'm, I'm strong on this is because I've made the mistakes. And I don't want to see other people make the mistakes. You know, it's like I was stupid and I made the mistakes in dating and so because I did, you know, I was an idiot, but other people don't have to do those same things. I'm almost to the point where I say in high school or, I mean, let alone middle school and call me old fashioned. I don't care. Dating is almost never a good idea. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's true. I'm sorry. If you got a boyfriend, if you got a girlfriend, I want you, and, in, and and this is what I'm saying, if you're in middle school or high school, I'm not saying it's bad to date as a young adult. You need to get married sometime. What I'm saying is, while you're in middle school and while you're in high school, that is a time where you're literally, especially if you're in public school, you're literally in, I mean, the Bible says we're not, we're in this world, but we're not of it. You're literally in the middle of wickedness. And so your goal as a high schooler and middle schooler should be pressing into God with everything you have, finding out who you are in Christ, finding out what your purpose in life is. Because if you don't know what your purpose in life is and you start dating someone, your purpose is going to be defined by that person. Your person I, I tweeted this and I believe this wholeheartedly. It's, it's sad because you see it all the time. I've seen Christians who, who were like, you know, on fire for God. They started dating someone and instantly they become a new person. It's like, what the heck happened to you? I would remember this if I were you. This is what I said. Don't be the person whose entire personality and belief system changes to mirror whoever you're talking to or dating at the moment. Soon, you won't even know who you are anymore. High school and middle school should be a time where you're consecrating your life to God. You're, fi- you're, you're building a foundation with God. You're building a, 
a relationship with God. And then you're finding out what your purpose is in God. So then later on in life, when you're in, and I'm not given a specific age. I understand. Mary was like 15. I understand that thing. But while you're in school, you should be doing those things. Then later when you're ready to get married, when you're ready to find someone that you're going to be with forever, you know what your purpose is. So anything that looks like it's outside of that purpose, you it automatically know. You know, it's like me. If I, I already know from the Lord that I'm going to be an evangelist. All right. I know that now. That's my purpose. Now, if I, you know, see this, this woman who's like, whose dream it is to be a, a professional wine taster and, you know, live in Italy and wine taste and be a wine taster, a wine connoisseur. I mean, it's ridiculous, but like, you know, if that's her purpose and I, you know, and if she's not aligned with my purpose, I already know, you know, that's probably a no-go. I have a feeling God's plan for my life is not to travel the United States and preach the gospel to Americans while my wife is in Italy sipping on wine. Just a feeling. <laughs> that's, you know, you got to know what your purpose is first, then you'll be ready to date. Prepare yourself to be the best husband slash best wife, then find the person. Because dating, you know, here's what I, here's what I was thinking about with dating. If you feel like you want to get in a relationship in high school or middle school, ask yourself this question. Ask yourself this question. Why do I want to get into this relationship? What is my motivation for wanting to get into this relationship? Is it because you really, is it because, first of all, is it because you heard from the Lord? Which, you know, be honest with yourself. Is it because you heard from the Lord? Or is it because you really like this person, which there's nothing wrong with, or they're really attractive, which, you know, People can be attractive. That You don't go around dating everyone. Is it because you like them? You like spending time with them? Okay, let's say it is because you like spending time with them. You like, you know, they, you guys get along. You guys have matching personalities. You guys like to do things together. You like to talk. You know, you have, you have a good back and forth. Your personalities match. You know, say you're in high school. Why is it that you want to date that person? Because what do you want to do with that person? And be honest with yourself here. We're getting to, we're getting to the deepness of your intentions in your heart. Why is it that you want to date that person? What is going to change while you're dating? First of all, it's not going to be anything physical. You're not going to get physical with them. Okay, so if we're ruling that out, why do you want to date them? What's the, this is what I'm saying. What is the difference if you're going to date them and not do anything physical with them and just, you know, hang out between, what's the difference between that and just being friends? Be honest with yourself. Why is it that you want to date that person? 
Just a thought. Moving on. Moving on. Next question. Next question. Okay, one more relationship one. As a Christian, do I need to get married after high school if I date them for a while? So we already went over high school dating. In general, listen, I'm not married. I don't have experience in marriage or engagement. So, I mean, for what it's worth, which is not a lot, long engagements never end up well. Long engagements are never a good idea. That's my answer on that. Um, here's a question. I'll, I'll do this one question. These two questions. One of them's pretty in-depth. One of them is pretty easy to answer. And the other one is what we're going to end on. What is real faith? Like, I know what the Bible says, but what is faith like for teenagers? Now, that's a good question. Now, this person said, what is real faith? Like, I know what the Bible says, but what is faith for teenagers? That's a good question. I like how you phrase this because a lot of times if, if someone has a question, like especially young people, like what is faith? We can always come back at it with, well, now faith is the evidence of things hoped for, you know, uh, the, you know, the assurance of things hoped for the evidence of things not yet seen. But it's like, usually the person has heard that. They know what the Bible says. They, they want to know, explain it to me in a way that's going to make sense. You know what I'm saying? So they're not, they're, they've read the Bible verse, but like, what is it? If I can't understand what the Bible verse means, if I can't understand it from the word of God for myself, help me out here. So that's a good question. What is real faith? To put it simply, Lester Summerall said it like this. Faith is trust. This is a very simple analogy. I have a chair in my room. To do work, I sit down in that chair. I never once, you know, I got, I got that chair from Ikea. It's a pretty nice chair. I like it. It's a good desk chair. Solid wood. It's good. I never once, when I come into my room, rush into my room, sit down on the chair to do work, I never once check the chair, make sure it's structurally integral, make sure it's all, all the screws are in place. I never, I, I never ease onto the chair or sit down very slowly just to make sure it works. I sit down with full force. I sit down pretty quickly. Why? Because I have trust that the chair is going to keep me up. You know, I don't, I don't need to be scared every time I sit down with, wondering whether I'm going to fall, whether it's going to break. I don't have to wonder that. It's a great chair. It's, it's very sturdy. You know, it's backed up by a good company. It's backed up by quality and assurance. And it's got a track record of me sitting down and never falling. So that's what faith is with God. It's trust. When I believe God's word, I'm not wondering, is it going to work? Or is it not going to work? I fully trust in it. Sit down very quickly. I don't ease into it. You know, is God going to keep me healed in the coronavirus? No. I, I do it as if it's completely true. Because it is. It's acting on the word. Faith is an action. It's acting on the word of God. With full conviction that it's going to work. 
That's what faith is. I'll give you an example. Because I believe, uh, Psalm 91, that no harm shall come near my dwelling, no, no pestilence that stalks in the day, or at, at midday, though a thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, it will not come near me. Because I believe that, I'm not going to walk around in the pandemic with a mask on. I'm not going to Purell 60 times a day. So you understand, because I am fully con- convinced, I'm convinced that the Bible is true, that God is true. And just like the chair, not just like the chair, way better, but God has a track record of fulfilling his promises. It's backed by the authenticity of his word. So because his word is true, I know that his promises are true. Because God is real, I know that he's not a liar. And he's never failed. He's never once promised something and it never come to pass. So I know I can trust him. So that's what faith is, being fully convinced that what the Bible says, what the word of God says will come to pass. Being fully convinced that if Jesus, if, if, if Paul said, if God's word says that in the twinkling of an eye, there's going to be a rapture of the church, a catching away of the saints, that he's going to come like a thief in the night. No man knows the day or the hour. I can be fully convinced that one day that's going to happen and it's very soon. If God said, and people struggle with this, if God said that if I believe with my, ma- with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, I will be saved. So I'm convinced that I'm going to heaven. The Bible says these things are written that you may know that you have life eternal. You know, so the devil can't just come along and lie to me and say, you know, you're not actually really saved. No, devil. I have, I'm fully convinced that God's word is true. I'm fully convinced that I'm saved. I'm fully convinced that I'm healed. I'm fully convinced that I'm blessed. That's what faith is. It's trust. It's full conviction. Faith is an action of full conviction. The woman with the issue of blood said in herself, said in her heart, I know that if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. Not I think, I know it's conviction. It's a full assurance. It's a trust. That's a good question. One of our great friends from the last gen said, when helping someone grow who just got saved, how do you help them without, quote unquote, overdoing it? That's a good question. When helping someone grow who just got saved, how do you help them without, quote unquote, overdoing it? Well, what I'd say to you is keep that person close. Let's say you just led your friend to the Lord. Spend real quality time with them. Let them know that you're with them. You're, you're rooting for them. Let them know that you're on their side. Because, you know, and, and I understand what you're saying. You're saying like, you don't want to be like that person who they got saved and like literally every second of the day, have you read your Bible? You know, are you reading, are you praying every day? You know, don't be that person that's, you know, creepy about it. That is overdoing it. You know, did you pray? Oh, you didn't pray today. You should really pray today. You know what the Bible says about praying. If you lead someone to the Lord, number one, they're going to have a desire to be discipled. Number two, 
if you keep them close and spend real quality time with them, you don't even have to be talking about about the Bible or teaching them from the word of God. They're gonna see your life and notice something and notice, oh, this is what the Bible means when it says this. Or, you know, I like the way that they're always pressing into God. Or like, you know, your friend is gonna see or that believer, that new believer is gonna see the way you live your life and want to do the same. So spend quality time with them. Let them know that you care for them and you're not just trying to, you know, because if you're not careful, you can lead someone to the Lord and then never talk to them again and they feel like, oh, I was just used for a number. So spend quality time with them. Be their friend. You know what I'm saying? Good question. Very good question. Last question of the day. I hope you guys are enjoying this. If you are, let me know. Also, before we get into this last question, do me a favor. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go down to where you can rate the podcast. Give it whatever rating you think we deserve, which I hope is high. But, you know, I'll leave it up to you. Rate it, but also... If you could write a review, that would be like the most help ever because it helps with the algorithms. I'm sure on um, Spotify, there's a way to do that too. But if you would, do that for me. Be eternally grateful. You will be written on my heart. Best friends forever. All right, last question. This is a hefty one. It's no high school relationship dating advice. Here's one. Why do some people not get healed? Man, that's a loaded question. It's a good question. It's a question that I'm not going to... Now, understand something. I'm not going to give the answer that's end-all, be-all, meaning I'm not going to go as much in-depth as this as possibly can because, you know, people need to be taught in-depth about this. This is a Q&A, so I'm going to give you some things. Okay, number one, you know, because the question is, why are some Christians, you know, I know that it's the will of God to, that everyone's healed. You know, people ask this. I know that God wants everyone to be healed. I know that he purchased healing through Jesus in redemption. So why is it that Christians, you know, people will bring up, you know, my, my grandmother was a Christian all her life, but she wasn't healed. And she suffered with this or my bad, or she had this all her life or whatever. So people have the question, why are, why do some people not get healed? Let's, let's walk through this. This is not a full answer. This is a quick answer. Understand this. And if you want a full answer, I would highly recommend, you know, I I looked it up ahead of time so I can give this to you as a resource Go on YouTube, search up Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., and search this up. Why some Christians don't receive healing. It's an hour and 15 minutes long of my uncle teaching on this subject. And I'm sure he has more videos on it because it's a commonly asked question. There's, a, there's another um, video that he did with my aunt more recently. That's about that, about why Christians don't receive their healing. 
Number one, let's walk through it. Some possibilities. These are some roadblocks to healing. Number one, they're ignorant of the fact that God not only can heal them, but wants to heal them. If you've grown up in a Pentecostal church or a Word of Faith church or a Charismatic church even all your life, um, you might not understand that not every church believes like we believe. Not every Christian believes like we believe. There's a large sect of Christians that don't believe that God is still healing or they believe that God, you know, there's some people who believe that God, yes, he did heal in the Bible, but you know, that was Bible times and now he doesn't really do those things. And so there's some people that believe like that, that God doesn't heal anymore. And there's, there's even some people that believe that sickness is from God, that God is putting sickness on them to teach them a lesson. So knowing that, that there's a large percentage of Christians that don't either, number one, believe that God wants them sick, or number two, believe that, no, God doesn't want them sick, but, you know, he doesn't really heal anymore. So knowing that, we understand that that is a huge reason that people don't get healed is because they don't even, they can't believe for it because they don't even know that it's possible or God's will. You can't have faith for something that you don't even know. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the Bible says in Romans 10, how can they believe in him of of whom they've never heard? And how can they hear unless someone goes or unless someone preaches? How can someone preach unless someone goes? And how can someone go unless they're sent? So just like salvation, you can't expect, you know, an islander who is completely secluded, you know, some tribe, ancient tribe that's completely secluded from the gospel to just start believing in Jesus. They've never heard of Jesus. They can't believe in him of whom they've never heard. Same thing with healing. If you've never had the word of God preached and taught into you, if you've never heard a message preached that says God not only can heal you, but wants to heal you and wants to heal you right now. And the fact that Jesus paid for your healing on the cross of Calvary. That 2,000 years ago, by his stripes, you were healed. If you've never heard that, you cannot have faith to be healed. And as a result, you will not be healed. So that's number number one, is people don't know that God wants to, can, or wants to heal them. That's a lot of the reasons. Is people num, Another reason is that people heard it, but they have let unbelief creep into their life. That a spirit of unbelief has crept into their life. James says it like this. When you ask God for something, believe fully, completely convinced. Let me actually pull this up for you. In the book of James. Yo, this lady outside of the car is like ranting to another lady. Just two ladies ranting to each other. And they're very loud. I don't know if you can hear them. Moving on. All right. The book of James, chapter 1. James, chapter 1. 
James chapter 1. All right. He's talking about wisdom here, but this is anything when you ask God for anything. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like the wave of a sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Listen to this next verse, verse 7. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So the Bible says right there, if you're double-minded, what does that mean? It means, yes, you believe in healing, but you're not very strong on it. And sometimes you, you know, you're, you're back and forth on it. Like you say you believe in healing, but you, you know, you, you think about it and, oh, maybe I'll be sick all my life or maybe I'll, I'll never be healed of this. And you dwell on these things and you're, you're one minute you're in faith and the next minute you're in fear. One minute you're in, in faith and the next minute you're in unbelief. That is double-mindedness. The Bible says, James says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and a double-minded man should not even think, not even dare to think that he's going to receive anything from God because he won't. A double-minded man can't receive anything from God. He's unstable. So number two, people have let unbelief creep into their life. Like even people who have gone to church, to a church that believes in healing, that preaches healing. If I ask you right now, why do you believe in divine healing? Why do you believe that God wants to heal you? And if your answer is, I don't know, or my church, I think because my church teaches it or my church believes it, and you can't even give me like five scriptures to back it up, you're not in real faith. Because you can't believe for something if you don't have the word of God. So you've got to be so sturdy in your foundation, so sturdy in your knowledge of the word of God that you can make a case for it. Make a case for it like like you would in court. Give reasons. Quote them back to God. Give reasons why you should be healed. Lord, you said in your word that by your stripes I'm healed. You said that you bore my sicknesses and my diseases. You know, give God those reasons. And if you don't have those, if you don't have reasons about why you believe something, chances are you don't actually believe it. You're just an echo. You're just a parrot believing just things that you hear. So that's number two. People have let unbelief creep into their life. Number three, here's one, and we already talked about it today. People are not walking in love. People are not walking in love. Like we said before, if you don't forgive, God can't forgive you. And if you don't forgive, your faith won't work because you're not walking in love. That's why Jesus said it was so important to walk in love, not only walk in love, but walk in forgiveness. Because if you're out of love, if you're out of your love walk, you're out of God. God is love. So that's a plan of the enemy. 
is to is to put sickness on you and then get you offended about something. Well, did you hear what this person said about me? You know, they're hanging out behind my back and they never really invite me to things. It's like, who cares? Who cares if you're in the wrong or if you're in the right? Don't let the devil manipulate you like that. Sift you like sand. Sift you like wheat. Don't let it happen. Because it's dangerous. It's very dangerous to be out of love. It's very dangerous to be in unforgiveness. Because you can have all the faith you want. Listen to this. You can have all the scriptures you stand on. You can have all the reasons that we talked about in point two. You can be so strong in faith. Present your case before God. But if you're not walking in love, you have no claim to the promise. Because faith works by love. So that's so important. Number three is a lot of people are not walking in love. And people don't realize how big of a thing this is. It's not like a small percentage. It's a huge amount of people that are here. I would, I would encourage you. Here's the conclusion of today's broadcast. If you would, go on YouTube. Look up these messages. I believe they're in three parts or maybe they're in two parts. No, I believe it's three. These are the one of the you know some of the best messages I've ever heard on this topic. Look up this. Look up Kenneth Hagin. Love the way to victory. Kenneth Hagin, love the way to victory. Those three messages are amazing. Very powerful scriptures. No, not scriptures. Very powerful message that, you know, that give you, you know, it shows you how important it is. It's not a side thing. It's not for the softies of Christianity. You've got to understand it's powerful. So thank you. This concludes our Q&A broadcast or podcast. And um, hope you enjoyed it. Hope some of your questions were answered and hope this really helped you. If you had a question and you never got to it and uh, your question wasn't answered or you never got to my Instagram or you never got to ask it, you can still ask. Just DM. You can either DM me at alex.iaquinto or you can DM at the.last.gen with a question and we will do our best to answer it from the word of God no matter how weird, no matter how you know, I mean if it's like super weird I, I don't know. You know I can help you to a point but if you're like messed up, I'm just kidding but for real guys thanks so much for jumping on, let me know if you enjoyed this let me know if you hated it I'd appreciate that too alright guys Next week, let me see if I got this right. Huge thing. Next week, get excited for this. We've got a special guest. Special guest next episode. It is a woman of God. My best friend in the whole wide world is hosting next week the podcast. So ladies, if you are sick and tired of hearing a man's mansplain to you, about the Bible. <laughs> He's mansplaining to me. <laughs> if you want to hear a female voice on this podcast, you're in luck. Guys, don't dip, up, dip, dip out on us. You need to hear this stuff. My best friend Lilia is taking over next week. And then the week after that, it's going to be me and Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. It's going to be a great one. 
Stay up to date with what we're doing. Follow us on Instagram. All right, I've talked enough. I love you. Watch next week with Lilia. It's going to be awesome. I love you guys. I'll check back in with you. ASAP. Have a great week, everybody.